Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. At one point, he says, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what is the question? Free from deception is one answer. If you continue in the word of God, you won't be deceived, not by Satan, nor by yourself, nor by the culture. In today's broadcast, we have part one of a two-part study from Pastor Sam entitled, Jesus is Alive. We are now in Luke chapter 24 and we'll look at the first 27 verses. We start with some background as to what is going to happen and then we'll consider the discovery of the empty tomb, the reaction of the disciples, and the story of the men on the road to Emmaus. So let's listen in. Luke 24. 1 through 27, Jesus is alive. If you're new to a study of scripture, or even if you're not, it's important to know that the resurrection of Jesus is an absolutely essential part of the good news, the gospel message that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the Apostle Paul, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 15. Highly recommended reading if you want to know, well, what's going to happen once we are resurrected? What will our bodies be like? What will eternity be like? He deals with a lot of those issues in some detail. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But the core of the message is that Christ died for our sins and that it wasn't an afterthought on God's part. It is according to the scripture. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This whole issue of God telling us, showing us, well, laying it out for us in the Old Testament, Jesus makes reference to it. He says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, it's a type, and I bring this to your attention just to say that in the Old Testament, there are these types or these pictures, these foreshadowings of what Christ would experience. Of course, he's the reality. They're merely pointing us to that reality. But Jesus chooses Jonah. A lot of people have trouble with the story of Jonah. There are skeptics that are like, I don't know if somebody could survive in a whale or a fish that long. The cynics say, well, there's no possible way that happened. I'm going to always go with Jesus on this one. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. So I believe him. I did hear a story recently of a, a cynic that was talking to a believer about this whole issue. And the believer said, I, I'm sure Jonah was in the belly of that fish. The Bible says so. I believe it. And, and the cynic says, well, you know, uh, you know, how did he do it? And he goes, well, I really don't know that. But when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. And the, the guy says, well, what if he's not in heaven? He says, well, then you can ask him. Um, <laughs> the issue is this. Jesus says Jonah survived that three-day trial in the belly of the fish. And he says, just like that, I will survive. 
my death and, and, and I'll rise again. And he promises because he rose again, we too will rise again. We will live eternally. So we have types, we have prophecies. The Old Testament is literally full of pictures and prophecies pointing us to the person and the work of Jesus. Well, Jesus again and again tried to tell his disciples what's clear to us that he was going up to Jerusalem, that he'd be handed over to the chief priest and by the chief priest to be crucified. But on the third day, he'd rise again. The problem was his disciples never really put it together. In the beginning, they wondered what he was talking about. Later, they just get into conversations about which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. They just didn't even try to process that information because there's no way they could put together how could he suffer and die and still rule and reign? Well, in any case, they come, some of these religious leaders uh, end up coming uh, to Pilate after the death of Jesus. Now, the disciples, as I mentioned, didn't get it. The religious opposition did understand, not that they believed in the resurrection or that Jesus would be resurrected. Some believed in resurrection, others didn't. You know, of course, Pharisees believed in it. Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, the afterlife, angels and such. That's why they were sad, you see. And uh, we use the play on words just to remember. But, but, but here's the issue. Though his disciples didn't get it, well, the, the opposition did. Whether they believed it or not isn't the issue. It's that they thought that they needed to make sure his disciples didn't come and steal the body. And they come saying that very thing. Hey, we need to make sure. I mean, he said this guy said he was going to rise again the third day. And so we want to make sure he can't be stolen away. And then this last deception would be worse than the first. So Pilate tells them that they have a seal, they have a guard, and that they can go and make the gravesite as secure as they can. And they go back and three things are placed there. There's a stone that is rolled over the tomb where Jesus was buried. Now, this isn't an unusual thing. They would do that to keep robbers out, to keep animals out. The, the tombs themselves were just either natural caves or or uh, caves that had been carved out for this very purpose, but they would roll not a big boulder, but a stone that looked more like a wheel, and it would come down through this trench area, and it would be, well, virtually impossible for you or for me or for, you know, the gals who were about to show up at the tomb to move that stone. So it becomes an issue, and we'll come back to it in our story itself. Not just the stone, though, there was a seal. And if you've watched CSI or NCIS or maybe you work in uh, law enforcement, you know that if there's a crime, they'll tape over that, you know, crime scene and, and they'll say, hey, you can't, you know, break through this seal. Well, in those days at, at something like this, they would place the Roman seal. The penalty for breaking the Roman seal was death. And so we have the stone, we have the seal. And then we have the guard. 
They actually placed soldiers there to guard Jesus' dead body at least for three days. So there was no way the disciples could come in as if they would and steal the body and then go around proclaiming, oh yeah, Jesus is risen from the dead. So they come, he gives them what they're looking for. And uh, it's interesting that, that little later on, just a couple days later, actually, that uh, after the guards fall asleep on guard duty, punishable, by the way, by death, and after the seal is broken and the stone is rolled away, well, we're going to read it in a moment. The ladies come to the tomb. Between that point, though, and their arrival, well, these guards go to Pilate and they say, we've got a real problem. The body's gone. And so Pilate tells them, hey, don't worry about it. Actually, they go to the, excuse me, the chief priest and they say, we've got a real problem. And, and, and so they say, don't worry about it. They give them some money and they say, you just say you fell asleep. And while you were sleeping, the disciples came and stole the body. It's an interesting theory since how would you know what happened if you were asleep? But but uh, the other thing is they say, and we'll appease Pilate for you. He's a part of all this. What they're saying is we'll make sure that you're okay with the governor. So they go out and they begin to preach and proclaim and that, that well, the disciples came and stole the body. They took the money. They did as they were instructed. This saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Well, this was written in the first century. I'll tell you today, that's still one of the stories that are floating. That's one of the things, if you see those Easter specials that have nothing to do with the reality of the resurrection, but are simply trying to disprove the resurrection, they'll say, oh yeah, the disciples came and stole the body. Listen, the Bible already told us how that came about. So if you're going to make something up, you should make up something that the Bible doesn't already contradict. Well, we come to verse 1 here in Luke 24, and it's the first day of the week. By the way, that's the same day we're gathered together today. It's Sunday. Why? Seventh day was the Sabbath. That was the day of rest. First day of the week is the eighth day, or the new week begins. They call it the first day. Very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now they came to anoint Jesus' body. It's a demonstration of their care and love and concern for him. They don't expect him to be gone. They weren't expecting the resurrection, though they'd heard about it as well. And from his own lips, no, they came to show their devotion and care to him by bringing these precious spices, this ointments and, and to anoint his body. Now they had a major concern. We made mention of it. And that is the stone. How are we going to get in? Because this massive stone will be there. And they see in verse two, or we do, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. I love this picture because it's not, well, and you should be aware of this. The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so the ladies could get in. So the others who would later come could get in so they could see that Jesus was gone. 
And so they come, they're concerned, how are we going to get in? And I'd like to say there's a picture for us here that's very important as we, out of devotion for Jesus, out of love for Jesus, seek to minister to him or minister to people in his name, knowing when we've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, he says, you've done it unto me. We can count on him to remove the obstacles that will make that service impossible or difficult. And, and that's exactly what happens here. The angels have already rolled away the stone. They come, they find not only the stone rolled away, but in verse 3, they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Hey, entering a tomb, by the way, it would leave you ceremonially defiled. And I see something else wonderful in these ladies. They're not worried about ceremony. They're not worried about feast or festivals or celebrations. They're only focused on Jesus. And the more we focus on him, the better the body will function, the, the more fruitful our ministry will be. Well, we'll come back to this whole area of ceremonially defilement and or ceremonial uh, ceremonially being defiled and in any case they enter in they don't find the body of Jesus and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this in other words they're trying to figure out what it means behold two men stood by them in shining garments then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth they said to them why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Now, the first to testify, to preach, to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus are going to be these angels. The second, they're going to be these women. And so immediately upon uh, hearing all this, that we're told that uh, as they... Uh, heard these things. Remember, they go on to say, how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. So these guys head out, these gals head out, and, and uh, verse 8 tells us, they remembered his words, they returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. The angels knew what had happened and they preached it. The women were told what happened and they preached it. But when they get there, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the women with them who told these things to the apostles, we read their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. Here's the process. They remembered what Jesus said. They returned. They reminded the disciples, hey, he said he was going to rise again. And then they preached the good news. Jesus not only died for our sins, he was buried. Yes, but he has risen again. He is alive forever. Well, take heart if you've been sharing with friends, family, 
co-workers, roommates, others, and, and they're just like, well, I just don't see it. I just don't get it. I'm not sure I believe it. I'm glad that you have something or you found something. Take heart because these are the disciples that Jesus had chosen, spent over three years with, personally discipled. He told them again and again what he was going to do. And then when he did it, and witnesses came to testify of it. They said, well, we just don't believe you. People can be very difficult to convince. And I want you to know it's not your job to convince anyone that the things of the Bible are true. Your responsibility and mine is simply to speak the truth in love. And then let people wrestle with the truth. Let people wrestle with the Spirit of God who is bearing down on them. I don't want you to get a picture like the Spirit's jumping you or mugging you. But, but, but the idea is, is he's right there wanting us to, to, to respond. And he's always dealing with our hearts. And he's dealing with the heart of every unbeliever, of every cynic, of every skeptic. Well, at this point, we're told here by Luke, Peter arose, verse 12, and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. John tells us in his gospel, Peter wasn't the only one who ran to the tomb that day. In fact, John tells us that he and Peter ran together and feels it's important that we know that he outran Peter, beating him to the tomb. Now, I realized to John that was a huge thing. I mean, these guys are competitive. Now, John's younger. He should have won. But the, the point is really this. In the midst of the most important event since creation and the fall, the, the, the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord, John thinks it's important that we know he can outrun Peter. And it just reminds us that God chose very normal, ordinary people, people just like us, to bring this extraordinary message to the world to preach the gospel that changes lives and destinies. And, and so Peter runs and John runs. And of course, John beats him there. But John stops. He doesn't go into the tomb. He simply glances in and sees that the tomb is empty. He stops. Why? He doesn't want to be defiled. Peter gets there. Who knows how much later, but he runs right in. He's like these women in this way, and I got to give him something for this. He doesn't care if he's defiled. He just wants to see Jesus, or he wants to see if Jesus isn't there, what's actually transpired. Now, three different Greek words are used to describe what John saw and what Peter saw and then what John finally saw. John just glances in to see what's happening. Peter goes in and he really scrutinizes what, well, what it describes for us here. The linen cloths are still there. That's important. It tells us elsewhere they're still in the folds. In other words, they had mummy wrapped Jesus and we know they'd wrapped him in a hundred pounds of spices. That's what Joseph of Arimathea 
had brought along. And so they would, they would, uh, you know, put some spices and they would wrap a layer and they'd put more spices and wrap a layer and put more spices. So, so they come and it's not like this thing's unwound. No, they, they see the grave clothes still in their folds and the portion that had been over his head still laying there. And so, Peter's in there and he's trying to put it together, trying to figure out what does this mean? It says he saw, but it's a word that means to really try to figure it out, to scrutinize. And then John comes in, he figures Peter's already in there. I'll just go get cleaned up with him. He goes in and we're told that John looked and he beheld with understanding. It's so important that we get this. It took them time to put it together. And John's saying he understood in the tomb. Peter won't understand fully until Jesus appears to him personally. And again, I find so much hope in this because I share with people and pray for people. And they're like, I don't believe it or I don't get it or I'm just not sure about it. And I'm like, Lord, would you would you open their eyes? Would you, would you do what we can't do? And of course, he'll be faithful to do just that. If someone puts it together, if you're here today because, well, someone's been praying for you and sharing with you and they've talked you into coming and, and you're like, well, I didn't know if I wanted to be here, but I'm here and I'm listening. Listen, we're praying that God would open your eyes. I, I'm not saying believe me, believe the scriptures. It's God's word inspired by God, given to us as a testimony, a record of what Jesus has done for us. Well, now we come to two disciples traveling on the Emmaus road. And in verse 13, we read there were two of them traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Two things strike me immediately. One, they didn't recognize him. Now, I have to think in this case, that's actually his plan. If they recognize them immediately, well, then none of the things that take place from this point on are going to take place. And what he wants to do is flesh them out, as it were. He wants to give them an opportunity to share their hearts, to share their testimony. And I want to tell you, every person here has a testimony concerning Jesus. And if your testimony is, well, I don't even know if I believe in him. Well, that's your testimony. Or, well, I know a lot of people do and I'm trying to. Or, well, I, I know some things about him. That's your testimony. But let's look at theirs. As Jesus asked the question, what are you guys talking about? Who, you know? And, and they're like, are you kidding? Are you the only one who hasn't heard what's happened? So he says, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. 
who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And now the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They speak to who Jesus was and what he'd done and how he'd preached and taught and how he died and the hope that died with him. In today's message, Pastor Sam mentioned how God opened the eyes of those in the story to recognize the truth as to what had happened and how he does the same for us. And then Sam prayed for the opening of the eyes of the unbelievers in our midst. Now this opening of our eyes is a marvelous moment. And I can imagine many of you can share of a time when this was done for you. 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those of you whom share your story with others, who evangelize, please remember it is God who opens their eyes and not you. This truth will set you free from concern about your message being rejected by those who you share with. Share the truth and pray for those whom you share with and let God do the rest. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico and you can visit our website ccchico.com or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.